Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from me, Central Site Pastor Paul Creechley. Well, hello there. It's great to have you with us. Today, I'm preaching a one-off sermon before we start a new series next week. I couldn't be more excited for that series, but I'm, I'm really excited today to, to bring us an encouragement that I feel like the Lord has spoken um, quite clearly to me about to speak on. And it's this, it's uh, hope in a time of uncertainty. So as we kick off, I want to begin by asking you, what are some of the things that you hope for? Uh, you know, we all hope for a whole range of different things, you know, from the insignificant, which was me this week on uh, Wednesday, I was playing a round of golf, I didn't get to play golf that much, so that was a, it was a nice thing getting out there, uh, and I was hopeful that I was going to hit a birdie, which is where you um, put the ball in one less shot than they kind of recommend you be able to get around that hole in. So I was there, I played this lovely shot up onto the green, and I'm walking up, and I'm hopeful. Now... That was quite misplaced hope because I'm, I'm incredibly inconsistent at golf and very, very average. So unsurprisingly, I didn't get that birdie, but I had hope. I had hope. But that was an insignificant thing. You know, we have those moments, don't we, where we just, we hope we'll make it and we don't. But then we have all of the significant things we hope for too. So, you know, my wife, Claire, and I are expecting a baby uh, any time over the next few weeks. I could get a phone call right now as, I, as I'm recording, which wouldn't be ideal. So please, Jesus, not just yet. But, you know, I am hopeful that that birth will go smoothly, that the baby will be healthy, Claire will be healthy, and, and all will go well. You know, we have these big things, don't we? The range of things from insignificant, significant. There's lots of different stuff that we hope for. So as I'm beginning, what are some of the things that you are hoping for in this current season? Just start to bring them to mind. Uh, and as you do that, you know, it, we now live in a time of greater uncertainty than many of us have faced for years COVID and the national lockdown have utterly transformed our lives. You know, we've lost many of our normal routines, our structures, the things we enjoy. Some of us have lost our jobs. For some of us, our relationships on the wire or they've actually completely broken down. You know, we don't know what the economy is going to look like or the jobs market is going to look like over the next couple of years. We don't know um, when we'll next be able to go on holiday without fear of quarantine. We don't know whether we'll be able to see our families for Christmas, which some of you uh, don't think is too bad a thing. And are probably praying for some local lockdowns in December. I won't comment on that. But you know what? Some of us are facing some of the hardest times of our lives. And hope is important at any time. But in times of uncertainty, like the one we're in now, hope becomes even more of a lifeline. And as our need for hope goes up, what we put our hope in becomes more and more important. So at this time of uncertainty, the craziness of the moment that we're finding ourselves in, more than just what are you hoping for, what are you putting your hope in? Maybe your hope is in not losing your job over the next couple of months. Maybe your hope is in reconciliation coming in a relationship. And when that comes, then things will be okay. 
Maybe it's hope that closure will come from a situation that you're in right now. Maybe it's your hope is in uh, anxiety and fear no longer consuming you. Maybe your hope's in getting married or having grandkids. I don't know, what, what is it for you? What is it that you have put your hope in, in this time of uncertainty, in order to get you through? That thing that you look to and you're saying, well, when this happens, then it'll be okay. Because of this, I know it's going to be okay. As you bring it to mind, let me ask this question. How confident is that hope? Because hope in secular society doesn't actually require much confidence or certainty that what you want to happen will indeed happen. And that's why the realists and the pessimists out there sometimes feel like hope is just something for the silly optimists. Uh, I myself am one of those silly optimists and my wife Claire is what she would call a, a realist and that has led to some interesting conversations. But you know what? The reality is secular hope is expressing a desire for an outcome but with no confidence or certainty that it will come to pass. So in that context, hope can seem just like wishful thinking. It can seem something just for the silly optimists. And this is where the big difference between the hope of the world, which is largely us crossing our fingers, and the Christian hope, the biblical hope comes in. Because biblical hope is confident expectation of what is to come. You know, throughout the Bible and throughout history, the people of God, through some of the most trying situations, have been able to be full of hope. They've been able to be full of peace and patience in the midst of the storms. They've been able to remain steadfast and secure because their hope has been in something in which they can be fully confident. And that's in God and in his faithfulness. Today I want to teach out of Hebrews 10. So if you've got your Bible, open them up to there. If you're new to the Bible, Hebrews is uh, towards the end of the New Testament. So if you uh, either scroll back or flick back about 50 pages from the end, you'll find it there. Uh, and we're in Hebrews 10. We're going to read verse 19 um, to 25. It says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of God let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me pray as we kick off. Spirit of God, I thank you that you are the restorer of hope and I thank you that you impressed on me the need to speak on this subject today. And so I pray that as people are watching, wherever they are watching from God, would you in this moment, begin to fill them with hope? Would you begin to restore hope to their souls, Lord? Would we as followers of you be confident in the hope that you give us? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So, as I said, hope in the Bible is different to worldly hope because in the Bible, hope is full of confident expectation. And this is the thing that I really, really want us to catch. We have a confident hope. Our hope isn't wishful thinking. 
Our hope isn't just for silly optimists. Our hope is confident. But how can we be confident? That's a great question. The passage highlights two reasons. The first is that our confidence comes through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. If God, who saw humanity in all of its brokenness, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm going to come, I'm going to be- become human, take on their flesh, so that I can take their sin upon me and I can offer them a way to forgiveness and freedom, a way for me to take their shame and for them to have complete access to my presence. If God did that, then we can trust that he is for us, that he's working all things for our good. That that is his nature, that that is his heart towards us. But the crux of it is this, the crux of the confidence is, did Jesus really die from the dead? Because if he did, then that is utterly life-changing. Then everything I just said in that last paragraph was true. And if that's true, then that changes everything about the way that we live. And that gives us such confidence in our hope. It's something we can't ignore. But if it didn't happen, then our faith is useless then it's, there's no point us being here today on Zoom or on YouTube watching this preach. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 describes it as futile if Christ didn't rise from the dead. Now look, I'm not going to bore most of you half to tears by going into all the detail of the historical evidence for Jesus' resurrection, but I know some people out there will be you know, interested in it. And so if you are someone who wants to investigate it further, let me just point out a couple of really helpful resources. The first one is, um, you know, fairly easy read. It's called The Case for Christ. It's a book by Lee Strobel, and it just, you know, simply puts out some of the evidence, and that'd be a great place to start. If you want to dig in a little bit deeper, I say a little bit, a lot deeper into really quite an, uh, an academic, you know, still accessible, but meaty book is the way I describe it. There's an amazing book called The Resurrection of the Son of God by N.T. Wright, which is about 700 pages. So it's not not light reading, but if you really want to wrestle with it, uh, that's a great place to go. So the first thing is, our confidence comes from the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And the one thing that I just want to bring out, without getting into all of the detail, that I think is quite a compelling reason, is the fact that the Jews, the early followers of Jesus, actually gave their life to spread this message. They risked being brutally killed. They risked being imprisoned. They feared for their life. This is a group of people who, you know, didn't really believe that resurrection was possible and thought it was, you know, so blasphemous that someone would call themselves the son of God. And so how in that context did this group of people go to such lengths over the coming months and years following Jesus' death and recorded resurrection to spread that message if it wasn't true. There's no real alternative explanation that seems credible other than Jesus actually did rise from the dead and they were convinced of it and that was what they put their faith in. And so, you know, we are now standing here going, well, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, we have such confidence whatever we're facing, that our God is one who overcomes the power of the grave. So that's the first thing. The second reason for our confidence is found in verse 23. It says this, Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We have confidence in our hope because it is rooted in someone who is fully trustworthy. Society often says, you know, look within yourself to find meaning, to find value, and also to find hope, 
to find that little bit extra to be able to go forward, to find uh, that desire for what you really want to be happy. Look inside yourself. I would say don't do that. <laughs> if you're anything like me, when you look inside yourself, what you're going to find is not that pretty. I'm sorry to burst the bubble. We're actually not that great. You know, I know if <laughs> the older I get, and look, I'm not actually that old, but the, the little bit of life that I've lived is enough to realise how much of a mess I actually am. You know, you have those teenage years where you feel a bit invincible and depending on how you're wired, you're either hideously insecure or outrageously arrogant and I kind of swang from one to the other. Uh, but the, the reality is, is as I've come into my late 20s and I'm nearing 30 now, the Lord is just showing like, man, how, how often I'm just so full of selfishness in my heart. How broken. You know, when we look inside ourselves, we see that we are people who mess up, who let people down, who lie, who lack integrity, who lust, who uh, don't care for the poor, who worship idols. There is so much mess inside of our hearts, the condition of the heart. And, and we're talking about it in my small group this week, how Jesus says the condition of the heart is as important as the physical act. So he says, hey, if you lust in your heart, that is as bad as committing adultery. If you have hate in your heart, that's the same as committing murder. So he sets this bar outrageously high, right? And so I look at that and I just go, oh man, I am messed up. And so I don't want to look inside myself to find hope. Because you know what? If I do, I'm going to be disappointed. And I, I do think this is why, or this is one of the reasons why we've had a rise in anxiety and mental health issues across the nation is because we've bought into this ideology of looking inside ourselves. And that is not the Christian hope. The Christian hope is that it does not come from within us. It comes from outside of us. We look to a completely perfect and holy God who will never let us down and who loves us more than we could ever imagine. And that's where our hope comes from. See, the next chapter of Hebrews is a really famous chapter that many of you will know, and it highlights some of the significant ways in which God showed his faithfulness to his people. It's just line after line after line of God moving. It's reinforcing the point that's being made here at the end of chapter 10. Our hope is in the God of the empty grave who has always been faithful and will always be faithful. Our hope isn't wishful thinking. We have a confident hope. So that's the first thing. But next, what does it mean to have this hope now in the current time of uncertainty that we find ourselves? Well, one of the ways that we can have hope and the thing that allows us to have this hope is understanding that the God of the universe, the God of the empty grave, is working on our behalf for our good. Romans 8, 28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let that sink in for a moment. We have an active God who is working on our behalf as we speak. God moves in our present day reality to bring about the restoration and renewal of broken things, to, to bring good forth. See, maybe you're sat here listening or watching and you're in one of the hardest seasons of your life right now and you are longing for breakthrough. Well, the confident hope that you can have is we have a God who moves today 
and is working for good. If you love him, he is working for your good. You know, we've seen God's power and restoration in our church so many times, whether it's through physical healings, whether it's through relationships being restored, whether it's through inner healing taking place, whether it's through the restoration of the city on a bigger scale. You know, over lockdown, we partnered with Green Pastures, this charity, to buy a house. They fronted the cash that we now get to manage in order to house the homeless to completely change the trajectory of people's lives. That is amazing. God's restoration coming here and now into our midst. I don't know what it is you're facing in this moment, but I know that often when we face trials and tribulations, there can be a tendency to pull away from God and and to do it ourselves, to rely on our own strength. But what does it look like for you to change your mindset and have confident hope that God is working and he can bring breakthrough in your current situation and to lean on him in this moment? You know, maybe you're on your last legs and you're just like, I don't know what to do anymore. And maybe today you need your hope restored. You need to know that, as it says a few verses later in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is for you. Our confident hope comes because we know God is working and we know that breakthrough is possible. But saying that, the painful truth is we don't always see the restoration that we long for we don't always get to see the breakthrough that we're praying for we live in a beautiful but in a broken world and we are privileged that we get to see the kingdom of god breaking in power and we see life change and we see bodies healed and relationships restored but we live in a spiritual battle and the reality is that the change that we are hoping for the situation you are longing for breakthrough in it might not come about in the way that we had hoped in this life. And this is where the rubber really hits the road, because at the heart of the Christian hope is not just that God moves today, but that one day God will restore all things. And at that time, there'll be no more conflict. There'll be no more sorrow or pain or disease. Pandemics won't happen. Death and sickness will be no more. Relationships will be healthy. Justice will roll on like a river and we will be fully in the presence of God. This is the day that the final verse we read about in Hebrews is talking about. The day you see approaching. Hope in times of uncertainty comes from the confident expectation that that day is indeed coming. You know, typically in the UK church, we don't focus much about eternity. We don't like to talk about death, typically. But having an eternal perspective completely changes how we approach life. It completely changes the way we engage with hope. There comes a tipping point in the life of every follower of Jesus when we have to decide whether we really believe this stuff. Because when that conviction comes that firstly, God is moving. And that secondly, a day is coming when all things will be restored and renewed. Then the deep hope will follow. You know, that's been my experience. Uh, you know, just uh, over a year ago, last August, my dad uh, kind of out of the blue got diagnosed with really aggressive um, bladder cancer. Uh, you know, and anyone who's ever had cancer diagnosis in their family knows that it just hits you like a ton of bricks and it throws up all of these questions and uncertainties about what the future holds. And, 
you know, entered a time of prayer and just intercession for my dad and, and clinging to God in that moment because I was scared I was going to lose my dad. But I had this hope. I was like, no, God, I do believe that you can move in a miraculous way, that you can heal my dad. Uh, and, you know, as I, always, uh, as I often say, we believe in the power of prayer and the power of paracetamol. So I was like, Lord, I don't mind if you heal him miraculously or you heal him through the medicine. Like, I'll take either, but I believe you can move in this situation. Uh, and, you know, it, it progressed on uh, over a couple of months and the NHS were wonderful, moved really quickly. And it ended up uh, with my dad having major surgery a couple of months later uh, to remove his bladder and a couple of other organs. So it was pretty crazy. I, and I remember the reality of actually going into that surgery. And I'm like, this is a pretty major deal. Um, you know, we don't know how that surgery is going to go. We don't know if he's going to make it out of it. And we don't know what the long term prospect is. And I remember sitting there with this kind of surreal feeling of these emotions and this kind of fear about losing my dad, but also this deep assurance that my dad loves Jesus. And that if this is his moment to go, he will go and be with Jesus. And one day, a day is coming when Jesus will return and all things will be restored and renewed. And I too will go to be with Jesus. Whether I die first or Jesus comes back before then, I don't know. But there'll be that moment and it was this deep assurance of this eternal perspective. It's like, well, my dad is going to die anyway. You know, whether it's now, whether it's in 20 years time, he's going to go to be with Jesus. And in 10,000 years time, in 20,000 years time, in an eternity's time, when we look back, actually those, that, those 10, 20 years won't feel like that long. But the deep assurance we have and that I had in that moment was that he was going to go to be with Jesus. Now, fortunately... And praise the Lord, my dad made it through and he's, he's had an amazing year since then. But I remember having a similar moment uh, earlier this year, right at the start of lockdown. My grandpa, um, he is just a hero of mine. Um, he got really sick. He actually got COVID and, and had a couple of other things as well. And off the back of it, he passed away. And there's a there's kind of 24, 48 hours that he got really sick after about a couple of weeks leading up to it. And I remember again, this, this battle of Lord, I know that you can do a miracle, but I also have this deep assurance that if this is my grandpa's moment, that he will go to be with you. And I just remember just feeling so sure that he would get to the gates of heaven and, and the Lord would say to him, you know, hello, welcome my good and faithful servant. This deep assurance, that eternal perspective that puts the worries and the uncertainties of our current circumstances into their proper perspective. It does not mean that hard times don't hurt. I wept when I lost my grandpa. He is a hero. He was a hero of mine. He is such a pivotal reason that I love Jesus the way I do. I grieve deeply for him. When my dad was ill, I was so worried. It doesn't mean it's not hard, but it means that we have a confident hope that one day things will be restored. And so as I come into land, what are you hoping in? What does it look like for you to have a confident hope in Jesus? Because these times are uncertain and the chances are they're going to get more uncertain over the next six months. And my hope and my prayer is that as the people of God, as the people following Jesus here in Cardiff in this church, 
that we would be people full of hope and that we would be carrying that message of hope to a world around us who desperately, desperately need it.